Well, good evening. We are, uh, well, I guess it's what you were saying, Brother Matt, uh, about you didn't say the words reach the bottom of the barrel, but <laughs> we're kind of scraping a little bit, aren't we? <laughs> but Brother Jim is celebrating the, uh, his anniversary, and, and the Colters are all sick, so we need to pray for them. But we're here with Brother Matt stepping in for the other Matt, and we're thankful for him and anxious to hear what God's got to uh, share, you to share with us. But uh, we'll introduce him in just a minute. Uh, as far as, like I've given you the welcome, uh, I'll go ahead and start in with the, uh, the uh, prayer list. And uh, just touch on, if anybody has any updates to the prayer list, just go ahead and, and raise your hand and let us know anything. Um, and then we'll sing. I'm one of these that has to have a set of procedures to follow. And if, if I don't have them, I'll just bounce around. So let's go ahead and look at the prayer list. Our HBC family, I don't have any updates on these. I know, uh, uh, you know, we've talked before about Tony Rogers, and Tony's doing outstanding after his surgery. I know that Jim Marlowe is, is still recovering, and so is Wade Hall. Uh, Robert Everett, I don't know. Has anybody got an update on Brother Robert? Because he had both knees replaced. Uh, remember Brother Art Hargrove. Let's see, as far as uh, I don't have any additions to the uh, friends and family, uh, I know last week we mentioned the uh, uh, Johnson family, which his uh, brother Colonel Jim Johnson's funeral was today, so we had that at First Baptist Church. So uh, remember that family. Um, okay, and it was Scott Robertson. That's two from the bottom of your list for friends and family. Pat's saying that he is uh, he's he's still he's not doing real good at all. So continue to remember him. Uh, as far as the nursing home and assisted living, we've got Mary Campbell, Peggy Eggleston, Susie Barton, Betty Davis, Bertie Davis, not Betty Davis. That shows my age, doesn't it? Bertie Davis, and Miss Janie Carter, Floyd Prince, Sue Prince, and Ms. Beverly Daniel. And continue to remember them. In fact, let's just pray now for the for those that are on our prayer list and, and as opening our service before we sing and turn it over to brother matt uh, let's pray dear heavenly father thank you for today for your blessings you've already showed yourself in many ways today and we we praise you for it we ask that you be with our service tonight and brother matt as he leads us and just thank you for his willingness to step in and help and last minute like he has and lord we're anxious to hear what you've got to share through him Lord, I pray for each of those that have been mentioned on our prayer list, Lord, that those that are have had procedures or looking at procedures or just going through slow times, Lord. And I pray that, that your will is seen and, and, and you show yourself through that and those that uh, can be seeing their healing through you, Lord, I just pray for that and uh, ask your healing and be upon them. Be with those that are taking care of, of uh, our group that uh, may be in assisted living and Lord, just watch over them and the caregivers. Lord, thank you for this day, for just this night and for the, the service. And Lord, we praise you and we'll talk later in Christ's name. Amen. Well, take your hymnals and turn to 438. 
and uh, <clears throat> we actually sang this at the funeral today. So uh, it's a fun song. I love the song, and it's Heaven Came Down, 438, and we'll do all three verses. Miss Pat? Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born spirit with life from above into God's family divine justified freely through Calvary's love oh what a standing is mine and the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came took of the offer of grace he did proffer he saved me oh praise his dear name Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now surely endure after the passing of time i have a future in heaven for sure there in those mansions of blind and just because of that wonderful day when at the cross i believe rich is eternal with blessings supernal from his precious hand i receive Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, like we were saying a little bit earlier, we are pleased to have Brother Matt Ledbetter here with us today, uh, uh, pinch hitting for, for the, the other the crew that either are gone or sick. So we're just thankful, Brother Matt, that you're here and come and share with us what the Lord's laid on your heart. Excellent. Thank you, Mr. Mock. Appreciate that. Good evening, everybody. Good to see you this evening. Turn to Mark chapter 1 while you're turning there. I feel kind of like the pastor that was asked to speak at a community event. And after the event was over with, they handed him an honorarium, a little check to help him. And he said, no, just keep that and 
you use it for something else and said, by the way, is there something you can put it towards? They said, yes, we can put it towards our special um, uh, reserve, our special offering. And they said, well, what was that special offering for? It's so we can get a better speaker next year. (laughs) Glad I could be here with y'all this evening. I do bring you greetings from the Duck River Baptist Association. 42 churches gearing to add another mission church in the coming days with Iglesia Gracia. Our Spanish congregation will be voting to add them to our association before long with Pastor Hanaro Oriana. I got Lana with me here tonight. She's traveling with me. Uh, It took us every bit of three minutes to get here tonight. So uh, we're glad we live right down the street and can be here in no time flat. Uh, We did a lot of traveling during Christmas to visit family, but we did a lot of traveling in churches before Christmas. Uh, There was one stretch on a Saturday night and a Sunday where we did seven worship services in less than 24 hours. A lot of church right before Christmas. But we had a good time. We have been in, I think, 40 of the 43 churches since we've been here. And we'll hit another church this coming Sunday uh, that we haven't been to yet. Uh, Just a few things to uh, keep you updated on. If you get on the internet from time to time, check out our website, duckrivermissions.org. You can see all the great things we've got going on, all the missions and ministries we have there. We also do Facebook, Duck River Association of Baptist Churches, I think is what it's called. You can find out things there. We, keep, we try to promote things that are going on in the churches in the association through that uh, Facebook page. Uh, a few things coming up. We have the uh, ordination service for our Spanish missionary, Hanaro Oriana. That's coming up on Sunday, January the 14th at 5 p.m. over at Grace Baptist Church. Uh, Grace, of course, is ordaining him because they're the mother church of Iglesia Gracia, but because he is our uh, Hispanic missionary for the association, we're going to be, our churches are all going to be a part of that. So we hope if y'all could slip in for a little bit, 5 o'clock on the 14th for Hanaro's ordination. We have the Men's Night of Worship coming up. Our Duck River Association is sponsoring this. It's going to be over at Rutledge Falls Baptist Church on Saturday, January the 20th, so a couple of weeks down the road. uh, We're going to have a supper at 5, and then we're going to have our worship time at 6. We've got three guys that are going to bring short messages that night. Herb Hester is going to be one of them. Patrick Waller is going to be one of them. Uh, And um, Micah Roberts from Altamont Baptist Church is going to be one of them as well. We've got a guy going to give a testimony about how the Lord saved him out of a life of drugs and alcohol. We'll share his testimony. And then uh, the children's minister, Brother Gary, uh, over at Grace Baptist Church is going to give a testimony and speak just for a few minutes about the importance of, um, of the, the Christian male role model uh, in the lives of our next generation. He has been serving as children's pastor at Grace for 29 years, I think it is now, 28 or 29 years. So... Um, Uh, We're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 1 that night with the theme, In Him. And uh, try to encourage the men and boys uh, in our area uh, about the importance of serving the Lord. So it's all free, doesn't cost a thing. Duck River Association is providing all that. The praise team from um, Rutledge Falls is going to be providing all the music that night as well. And then, of course, a lot of missions going on. We're preparing for three foreign missions I'm leading a group of guys to Mexico next month. 
Brother Mark Puckett is leading a group to Taiwan in March, and then he's leading a group to Canada uh, in July. Uh, and then we're, we've got our first, uh, it's been a while since we've done disaster relief, but we've got our first disaster relief meeting coming up on the 13th, January the 13th at 10 a.m. at the Duck River Association office. We're going to get that kicked back off again. It's been a while since we've done anything with disaster relief. And then a lot of other things going on, so keep up with us through the website, through the newsletter, uh, and through Facebook. And Mark is also starting a Bible study on Thursday nights, next Thursday night, Experiencing God. Have y'all ever took Experiencing God? One of the greatest Bible studies ever. Uh, he's going to be leading that for 13 weeks at the association office on Thursday evening, starting next Thursday night. Uh, so if you're interested in that, I can give you more information. All right, so that's all of my public service announcements. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture from Mark. I'm not going to give you anything that you've never heard before. Just, just a recap tonight of uh, something I like to do when I preach and teach. One of the things that I've loved to do in 25 years of ministry is I love to do character studies. I love to look at people in the Bible and talk about them and draw from their lives things that can help us in our daily life. I love preaching through books of the Bible that deal with individual people. I love books like Ruth and Joshua and Nehemiah and Ezra and Esther. And I love doing character studies on Joshua in the Old Testament and Paul and others throughout the New Testament. Well, tonight in Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at the first four people that Jesus called, the first four men he called to be his disciples. And I've titled this tonight, The Core Four. Now, I'm a Yankees fan. Anybody here like the New York Yankees? All right. My wife. All right. That's it. I love the New York Yankees. I have watched the New York Yankees since I was a kid. My dad wasn't sure about my, my salvation growing up because I was a Yankees fan. Love the Yankees. We love to watch the Yankees. My office is decked. If you've been in my office at the association office, you've seen two huge pictures of Yankee Stadium in my office. We've got an office at the house full of Yankee stuff. Uh, just, I love the New York Yankees. My favorite player right now is, of course, Aaron Judge. Um, you know, bless his heart. He on, he's only going to make $320-something million over the next few years. Bless his heart. You know, these guys now are signing $700 million contracts. I don't know. Anyway, but I love the Yankees, and over uh, the a course of several years, there was this core four group, Derek Jeter, Mariana Rivera, Jorge Posada, and Andy Pettit who helped lead the New York Yankees uh, for a stretch of the mid-90s till 2015 to be one of the greatest baseball dynasties ever. Between that group of four, they had 34 All-Star appearances, five World Series championships, 10 Silver Slugger awards, and Major League Baseball records too numerous to count. And two of them so far in the Hall of Fame, and Andy Pettit still has a chance somewhere down the road to get in as well. Their leadership, their dedication, their, their, their drive to win is what keyed the success of the Yankees during that, that stretch. Well, Jesus had a core four as well. 
When we see Jesus throughout the pages of the Gospels, we see present in almost every major ministry event in Jesus' life, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. We find them here in Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse number 16, that as Mark is one of the two Gospels that doesn't give the birth account of Jesus, but just starts at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus has been baptized by John, and he has been uh, tempted in the wilderness. And as he comes out of the wilderness, it says he walked by the Sea of Galilee. Lon and I got to walk by the Sea of Galilee just about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Walked in Jesus' footsteps. It says he saw Simon, that of course is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him, and when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after Jesus. Let's pray real quick. Father, as we uh, just look at your word for the next few moments, may you put in my mouth and in my mind the thoughts and the words that you would have me to say to your people uh, on uh, this night uh, from this uh, sacred desk. And I pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to learn more from you as we learn from these men who spent time with Jesus. We just want to say tonight we love you and praise you and thank you for who you are and all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's talk about these four men real quick, and then we're going to look at some principles that we can gather from their life. First of all, let's talk about Peter, natural-born leader. All through the Gospels, all through the New Testament, we see Peter identified kind of as the leader of the apostles. He's a part of that inner circle. Three of these four are part of that inner circle of Jesus. I kind of identify a little bit with Peter because of of, of his personality characteristics. First of all, he was very strong-willed. Poor old Peter had foot and mouth disease. His mouth kicked in sometimes before his brain turned on. He was staunch, but he was also a little thick-headed as well. But later on in his ministry, we see that those characteristics would drive his commitment, his love, and his work and walk for the Lord. Then there's Andrew, his brother, of all of the apostles. And I would say outside of Jesus, of all the people in the New Testament, Andrew is probably my favorite. He's quiet. You don't see or hear a lot from him. His greatest attribute is that he brought people to Jesus. He's the evangelist. In John 1, we see that he's the original one who brought Peter to Jesus. He brought the boy with the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus. In John 12, he brought the inquiring Greeks to Jesus. Almost every time we see Andrew, he's bringing somebody to Jesus. It's as if he was a master soul winner. Then there's James, a man of devotion and courage. He's always at Jesus' side. He's part of that inner circle with Peter and John. He became a leader at the church in Jerusalem. Uh, the pastor, I guess you could say, and outside of uh, Judas Iscariot, he was the first apostle to die, and he died for the cause of Christ. He was beheaded there in Jerusalem. And then John. 
the beloved disciple, probably uh, along with Peter, the most famous of the apostles. He was totally sold out to the Lord. He pastored the church at Ephesus. He wrote five books in the New Testament. He's the only apostle we see standing at the cross of Jesus' crucifixion, and he lives to be the oldest of all the apostles. Now, we could do individual messages on all of these guys and, and learn from them, but I'm going to put all of these four guys, lump them all together, and spend just a few minutes drawing from them and look at their relationship with Jesus and look at their lives and draw from them some things that, that we can help us in our daily life. So when we look at these four guys, first of all, let's talk about these men, the men that Jesus saw. In verse 16, we find Peter and Andrew, and in verse 19, we find James and John. What was his reasoning in the event that takes place here? What was it about these men that caught Jesus' eye? Who were they? Who are they? Who are these men? You know, it's always amazed me the people that Jesus chose to surround himself with. When you look at the people Jesus talks to, you look at the apostles, all the other people in Jesus' life, and even on down through the New Testament and even into the day in which we live, it's, it's always amazed me who Jesus calls. Now, had you or I had the choice, we would probably have chosen the upper crust of society. We would have chosen the smartest, the brightest, the most religious uh, people to surround ourselves with but Jesus had different plans in mind Jesus said I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance it's not the well who need a doctor it's the sick who need a doctor as Jesus begins setting up his ministry team we see that he's going to choose men that most of us would have overlooked the first four he chooses are just simple basic ordinary fishermen now fishing was common in that day it was a very common trade, especially around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, still a lot of fishing takes place in the Sea of Galilee as we were there just over a year ago. There's still a lot of that that takes place, and a lot of people made a good living as fishermen. So as Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, he's going to call these four men. So what did he see about them? Well, first of all, he saw what they did, their profession. These men were hard workers. Fishing was a tough profession in that day. They didn't have Zebco 33 classics and casting rods to catch fish with. They had nets that they had to cast over the, the, uh, the side of the boat and let that thing drop down. And then they had a rope attached to it and they had to pull it back up. And if there's a big catch of fish, then it took them a while to get that back in. And if the nets break, you lose all the fish. You lose your net. you got to start all over again. It was a tough tough job we see this part of their lives a few times throughout the gospel account this fact that they were fishermen after Jesus's crucifixion they wondered what was going to happen to them in Jerusalem so they snuck away and they went back to Galilee and Peter said I don't know about you guys but I'm going fishing and so several of those guys get in the boat they go out on the sea of Galilee and later on in the morning, Jesus says, have you caught any fish? Cash your net on the other side. They caught this big draft of fish. Peter says, it's the Lord. Jumps in the water, swims to shore. And Jesus is cooking breakfast on the seashore in his glorified body. They were fishermen. It was part of their 
DNA, part of their life. Now keep that fishing thing in mind. Fold that up, put it in your back pocket because we're going to come back to that here in just a minute. So he saw what they did, their profession. But not only did he see their profession, but he saw what they could do. He saw their potential. The Son of God looked upon these rough, rugged, hardened men and said, I can change the world with them. Really? Change the world with fishermen? The Lord has different criteria when it comes to fulfilling His plan and purpose. It's never about who they were, but what they could be. Think about when the Lord sent Samuel to look for the next king. Back in, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, or 1 Samuel chapter, uh, starts of, uh, chapter 9 starts with finding Saul, but then after that finding David. He sends him to the house of Jesse. He went through each of the brothers. Is this him? God says no. Is this him? God says no. Is this him? God said no. Well, there's no more sons. Well, Jesse says, I've got my little old runt out there in the field watching the sheep. Call him here. He calls him in. God said, this is the one. And he told Samuel, God told Samuel, the Lord does not see as man sees in 1 Samuel 16, 7. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. That's exactly how the Lord sees you and me. He can take what you do. He can take your circumstances, your resources, your personality, your influence. He can take you, he can take me and change the world. Not because of who we are on the outside, but because of who we are on the inside. And I've heard folks say for years, well, I just don't have any abilities to give him. Well, that's a good thing because God's not after your ability. He's after your availability. You have to be want to be used for his kingdom. He'll take you, he'll take me, he'll mold us, he'll shape us, he'll form us, and then he will empower us to do our part in changing the world for his glory. Do you realize that right here in Highland Baptist Church and in the Duck River Baptist Association, we are actually ministering to people on the other side of the globe tonight? You and I have a part of what's taking place on the other side of the world through missions and ministry taking place through Southern Baptist. He can do all of those things through us. The question is, do we want him to? That's the men that he saw. He saw their profession. They were fishermen. They were hard and uh, what they did, and they were rugged and rough. But even though he saw their profession, he saw their potential and what they could do. Eventually, <coughs> we find in the book of Acts, they are called these men who have turned the world upside down. So that's the men he saw. Well, let's talk about the offer he made. Let's talk about what Jesus said to these men. And we'll go through this quickly and, and finish up with our service tonight. In verse 17, Jesus looks at Peter and Andrew and he says what? Two simple words. Follow me. 
eight letters that changes the course of history. These men were not scholars, not religious leaders. As a matter of fact, maybe outside of Andrew, these guys were not even religious. Once again, they're just basic, ordinary fishermen. But Jesus knew that they would someday change the course of the world. And in order to do that, he placed before them a call, a choice that could and would forever change their lives. So he said, first of all, follow me. Commitment. He was not asking them to follow a religion. He was not asking them to follow a set of rules. He's not asking them to follow a movement. Jesus is going to invest in their lives. By the way, that's a good word for us in the church to use today when we talk about the next generation coming behind us. We need to invest in them. Jesus is going to invest in the lives of these men. So, so as Jesus is going to invest in them, and he's calling them to follow him. Where is this call to follow him going to take them? They would follow him all over Israel. They would go as far north as Mount Hermon, as far west as Tyre and Sidon, all the way down to Jericho, near the Dead Sea, all through the Judean countryside, big towns, small villages. They followed Jesus everywhere. They would see Jesus do great things. They saw him heal, and they saw him teach, and they saw him preach and minister and calm storms and feed multitudes and raise the dead. For three and a half years, they would follow Jesus on the earth. But ultimately, where did they follow him? To Calvary. They followed him all the way to the death. Now, though we may not see them at the cross, and I believe, we know John is there. I believe watching in the distance are the disciples. They would all face a similar fate because they chose to follow Jesus. They've surrendered to him. They've sacrificed in their lives. They've listened. They've learned. And they've followed him not only to his death, but to their own. Peter is crucified upside down. Andrew is crucified on a cross in the shape of an X. John most likely died a natural death, but he was imprisoned. Was at one point, uh, the historian Josephus tells us, he was boiled in oil. All kinds of things happened to John. As I said, James was beheaded. Many of the other disciples, one disciple had his skin peeled from his body. Another disciple was beaten to death. Others were crucified. When they answered that call to follow Jesus, it sealed their fate for what would happen later in their life. You know, that's the call to you and me, to follow him completely. Pa Pastor, do you mean you want, Jesus wants us to die for him? That's not exactly what I'm saying. It could one day come to that. As a matter of fact, in other places in the world, Christians die for their faith every day. More people have died for their faith for Jesus in the last hundred years than in the previous 1900 years combined. Jesus is not asking us to die for him. Jesus is asking us to live for him. Now, it may come to the point one day that we die for him. 
But listen to me, catch this. Living for Him means dying daily. Dying to ourselves, Dying to our flesh, to our desires, to our wills, to our way, and giving ourselves over to Him. The, the call to follow Jesus means we are not our own. We surrender ourselves to Him. Listen to some of these Bible verses where Jesus talks about these things. In Matthew 10, 38, Jesus said, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Where does a cross take you? Death. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite Bible verses. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life in which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Following Jesus means following him all the way. It's not a Sunday-only stroll. It's not a relationship of convenience. Jesus demands total commitment. That was the call to these men. And that's the call to us today is total commitment to him. So he's talking about their commitment. He says, follow me. But then he also says in the next part of that verse, I'm going to make you to be fishers of men. That's their commission. He had a new task for them. Just as they'd spent their lives fishing on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is now going to change what they're fishing for. Let, let's jump ahead three and a half years to Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Go and make disciples. What's he been? That, that's, that's at the end of the Gospels. What's Jesus been teaching the disciples for the previous three and a half years? Go and make disciples. Once again, that's the call to you and me. The call to follow him is for complete, complete surrender to him, but it's also the call to be fishers of men for him. That's the job he's called us to. He didn't save us to sit and soak. He saved us to get it and go. When he saved us, he gave us a purpose. He commissioned us. He doesn't save people to turn to the angels and say, Woo, look how many people. Look at those numbers. By the way, I've never been a fan of number boards in church. They can be deceiving sometimes. You may have a large crowd and nothing happening. You may have a handful of folks and God can do great things. I've never been a fan of numbers. God saves people. And then he commissions those he saves. You realize you were designed and saved for a purpose? If we didn't have a purpose when he saved us, he would just take us up to heaven. But he saved us for a purpose. Why are you here today? Why do you come on Sunday morning, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights? Why are you involved in Bible studies and missions and ministries and all of those things? Is it habit? 
or to satisfy a family member, get somebody off your back, mark it off your checklist. Listen, folks, this is preparation time. That's what church is. Church is preparation time. What are we preparing for? Going out into the world and sharing the good news. Living the life of Jesus, sharing the message of Jesus, waiting until the day we see Jesus face to face. Because our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, our schoolmates, the cashier at Walmart, the waitress at the restaurant, your doctor, your family, the lady you stand in line with at the bank are all people Jesus died to save. And the call that's been placed upon us is the call to be fishers of men. It's not just for the preacher or the evangelist. The commission is to every born-again child of God. One of my favorite verses, and I've actually told Lana, if possible, I want this on my headstone when I go to be with the Lord. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that wins souls is wise. So we've talked about the men that he's called and talked about the call that he gave. But let's talk about the response he received as we close tonight. If you were reading this story for the first time, any readers in here, anybody like to read? Good, that's good. I'm, I, can, I read really well. I just don't like to. I'll just, just be honest with you. I went through four, 48, 47, 48 books of the, of the Bible this year, this past year. The majority of those I listened to. I have this great app called The Word of Promise. It's a dramatized New Testament, dramatized Old Testament. When he's on the Sea of Galilee, you're hearing the waves and the wind, and you hear the crowds and all. It's awesome. I just don't like to sit and read. I've got a problem. My eyelids won't stay open. So I love to listen to the Bible. But if you love to read, if you're reading this as a drama, as a novel, and you're reading this for the very first time, you would be sitting on the edge of your seat waiting to see what these guys are going to say. Follow after me. I'll make you to become fishers of men. They're making a good living as fishermen. They're there with their, with their dad. This fishing business has carried on probably for several generations. They've got families to think about. They've got responsibilities they have to hold to. What would they say? Will they give it all up and follow, or will they hang on to their nets? Well, there's a very important word here in the Gospel of Mark. You know, the Gospel of Mark is an action gospel. You get 16 chapters in Mark, whereas you have 28 chapters in Matthew, and 20 two chapters I think it is in Luke and 21 chapter 24 chapters in Luke 21 chapters in John Mark is a concise gospel but it's an action gospel the word and is used 1331 times Jesus did this and then he did this and the disciples did this and the people did this and 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 but he also uses words like what we find in verse number 18 and verse number 20 immediately they didn't weigh the options they didn't say, let me think about it. They didn't worry about what other people would think. They didn't say, let me get my life right first or fix my finances. Or They did it immediately. Immediately they left their nets 
and following him. Just say this to somebody that may be listening to this by way of internet tonight or somewhere down the road. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to give your life to him right now. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come. You don't know what that next step may hold. The, the Iron Men Bible Study, we meet on Tuesday mornings at, uh, at the association office. A group of pastors and youth pastors and others get together for Bible study, and they were talking about the young man over in Winchester, I believe it was, 35 years old this, this past week that just got sick and died. We're not promised tomorrow. If you've never trusted Christ as personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. It's most likely not the first time you've ever heard the message of the gospel, but you need to give your life to Jesus today. If you're a Christian listening to this message, you need to be fully surrendered to the Lord. What are you waiting on if you're not? Give it all over to Him. Missing out on a, living a truly blessed life because Jesus doesn't accept second place. He doesn't want us to have Him just as Savior. He wants us to have Him as Lord. Their response was immediate but that response was also empowering it changed their lives now when we think about changing their lives let's think about those three and a half years that they walked with Jesus they slept under trees and they slept under bridges slept on the side of the road slept in strangers homes But they saw all the great things that God and human flesh did. Because when they got saved, the Lord empowered them. He consecrated them. That's, a, that's one of those 50-cent Bible words that we've left off. We've le we were talking about the hymns earlier. We've lost some words in the church. One of those is consecration. That means set apart. The disciples were set apart for ministry for Jesus. You know, that's what the Lord will do for us. He'll empower us. He'll consecrate us. He will set us on fire. He'll do that in our lives. He'll change our lives. He'll empower you to do and be what he's called you to. If you'll just let him. I love studying about the disciples. I love reading about them. You know, there are some of those disciples, we don't know anything about them except their names. Somewhere down the road, we're going to be standing on the streets of glory and having a conversation with Nathaniel and with uh, Simon the Zealot and with Thaddeus and some of those disciples that we don't know anything about. We'll learn about them and we'll hear their stories because what we see throughout the Gospels is that God saved them, empowered them, and set them on missions of mercy. And they, they heal people and they deliver people from demons and they, they meet people's needs. But most importantly, they surrendered their lives to Jesus. The core four. I'd love one day to meet Derek Jeter face to face. Pretty close to him one time at a ball game we went to. I'd love to meet Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada. I'd love to throw baseball with Aaron Judge. I, that's just who I am. But you know, one of these days, those, those people are just people. One of these days, 
we're going to get to spend time and eternity with Peter and Andrew and James and John and hear all the wonderful stories that John said if it was written on paper there's not a library in the world that could hold all the things that Jesus which includes his disciples did Peter Andrew James and John what a great group of men father thank you for the opportunity to study your word tonight and I pray that this message has been encouraging to each of us as we have listened to you from your word. Pray for Pastor Jim, safety for him and his wife in the coming days as they travel, for Matt and his family as they face sickness. Pray for this church as they continue to be a, a, a light in this community for you. We just want to say, Lord, we love you, praise you, thank you for who you are and all you do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Brother Matt, <clears throat> we appreciate you being here tonight. I appreciate your enthusiasm and your ability to speak with clarity the way you do. And I love you even more that you're a baseball fan. <laughs> but uh, for those of you that are online or on uh, Facebook and, and, uh, and uh, YouTube and even on our phone uh, line that we use, just thank you. And if you have any, any sick that need to refer to us or let us know any updates from our prayer list please call the office I don't do Facebook but call the office and Miss Amy will take care of you but uh, our director of missions has, has put before you the words tonight and brother Matt has shared with you things that God's put on his heart and we love you and appreciate you go forth tell somebody about Jesus